Hello, folks. Welcome to episode seven of the Cleanup Spot podcast. I'm Javik Blake, joined by Tim Crowell, and we have two special guests for the whole show today. We'll have our dads, Craig Blake and Don Crowley, joining the show. That definitely should be fun. We're going to be making our all-star picks and then just really getting into their history with baseball because, I mean, I think you guys are probably sick of us talking about our time. So this should get a nice Our time's also really short. Exactly. <laughs> we, now, now we have a little more depth and nice little length through our stories. We're not that old. Just older than us. Just a older little older than us. And we have great stories. All right, there we go. But well, crazy last two weeks in baseball. The Yankees and Red Sox still tied atop the East. We got the Indians leading the way in the Centrals and what is shaping up to be the weakest division in the 24 years of the three-division format in each league. The West, you have Houston with Seattle right in their tail, surprisingly enough, in the NL. You have Atlanta, who's opening up a kind of a good lead. On both Philly and Washington in the Central, you have the Brewers still staying hot. In the West, you have Arizona, who's still on top despite some problems. Yeah, and the West in the NL is just really something that surprised me this year because I think even with the injuries, a lot of people expected the Dodgers to be right at the top right now. The Rockies kind of had their couple of weeks where they were at the top. They fell off. This is still really anyone's division outside of San Diego, of course. And your dark horse, which you said in the beginning of the year that was going to make the wild card game, the San Francisco Giants, they've been hot. They're only three and a half back. And that's, I mean, they kind of took a tumble a little bit. They started out hot. They, I know we had that big um, McCutcheon walk-off homer during the beginning of April. And then there was really nothing for a while. They still had Mad Bum hurt. Now that everyone's come back, I said these acquisitions are going to come up huge for them, and they certainly have. And they've been doing well. I mean, they had a great June. They went 18-10 and 10 in June. They outscored their opponents by 34 runs. They, they've been doing very well, and it's mostly in part to those big acquisitions of Longoria, McCutcheon, and guys like that. Which a lot of people were probably going to call me crazy for, because, I mean, these guys are, I think it's safe to say Longoria and McCutcheon are probably past their prime years. I think that's definitely. Yeah, I even called you crazy on air for yeah, telling you. you that's, they, that's, they made I think that was a fair game. statement. But, I mean, they, this, is, this could be like the ride off into the sunset if the Giants can, I mean, because it is an even year. You know, the it Giants, isn't even here. The Giants, could, the Giants could be the surprise team. You might see them go out the deadline, make the move this summer. We'll see what happens. And they've been a lot of good guys. I mean, Buster Posey's hitting 290. Brandon Crawford doing well as usual. He's hitting 313. Gorky's Hernandez is hitting 287 as well. They have a lot of they have a lot of good players, and that pitching staff's also kind of helps when you have Mad Bum and guys of that sort coming out right. every five days. And they're not in one of these divisions like the, the AL West, the AL East, where, okay, you know what? We're still trying to put it together, but these two teams at the top are just blowing us out of the water, so we have no chance to come back. The West is still extremely up for grabs, so the Giants, they can be dangerous down the stretch. So we'd like to welcome on our guest at this point, Craig Blake, my father, and Don Crowley, Tim's dad. Thank you for joining the show, guys. And what have you guys seen so far from the season? A lot of fun baseball. Some good races, some not-so-good races, but some just great a lot of great games this early in the season yeah don i agree i think it's been fun to see uh, all the teams compete but i'll tell you one of the things that i love and it takes you back to a couple years is all these young stars emerging because you know you're, you're seeing a change in the whole evolution of the game it's older guys retiring stepping away you know some of the legends that you know we grew up with uh have, have gone on and now are coaching mm -hmm. and managing and, and these young kids coming up are just awesome to watch they're really setting the record books for a, a new chapter which is f always exciting as a fan now is it weird when you see your childhood heroes become managers like don mattingly and guys like that like don mattingly coaching the marlins or you even see guys who coached just a few years ago brad osmus played not that long ago craig council played what ten, five years ago 
Yeah, I, I think it's great. You know, being a diehard Yankees fan, I was a huge Mattingly fan. I actually have a whole thing on the Mattingly curse, which we can get into later. But, um, you know, and by the way, that means the Marlins will never win anything, but that's not just Mattingly's fault. Um, anyway, but yeah, it, it's kind of cool because you see that evolution of baseball. You know, you even see, um, you know, over on the Yankees, you know, just the history continuing with, with third-generation baseball players now coaching and managing and, and, and Boone over there. So that's just totally cool. You have to take at some point all their experiences. They've played all through the leagues. They've gone through. They've done their time. And a lot of these players, you have to tip your hats on because they're about giving back to the game, keeping the game going, moving to the next generation, and teaching their experiences to all these younger players. you got to tip their hats to these guys. They're the, the leaders of the game. And this is almost looking like more like the 90s when you had Jeter, you had Nomar, you had A-Rod all bursting onto the scene with today with all these young stars coming up. It's got to harken back to the 90s when you just had these young stud players, much like you got today. Yeah, you know, you're, you're in a 30-year you're cycle, right? So that's exactly where we are today. Um, you know, 1991, I was 18 years of age. I just graduated high school. And, you know, in the 90s, the Yankees were horrible. In the 80s, the Yankees were horrible. That's all due to Don Mattingly. Don't ever at him on the show. So um, got to keep that between us and your listeners. But, you know, when you got to the 96, you started to see this young team form and gel um, right after the uh, work stoppage in 95. And, you know, that's really when baseball wrote that next chapter. And I really see that evolution happening again now, which is just totally cool. You know, look at the Yankees lineup. It's how many guys have under five years experience. You know, I don't know the number. I'm sure Javik, the stats man, has all that in the back pocket. But it's great. And the Red Sox the same, though I despise the Red Sox. Watching them and all those young faces, it's, it's exhilarating. It makes tonight's matchup even that much better. This is like Rocky Four, Ivan Drago. Rocky Balboa going at it tonight in a, in a winner-take-all match. However, it's only July 1st or June 30th, whatever today's date is. July 1st. <laughs> Especially in July. And we're talking about new guys. I mean, that's the theme. Of, speaking of the Rocky movie, that's Creed 2 coming out in November. That is. That that's going to be a good that's movie. That's new school Rocky. You were taking everything that I could possibly love. You're taking my favorite outside of baseball movie series with the new school music of Kendrick Lamar. It's amazing. All right, the movie's going to be great minus the Kendrick Lamar. Yeah, probably. Speaking about movies, Don, we were talking before we got on the air. Tell me about your favorite baseball movie. No, Dad to Dad, what's your favorite baseball movie and why? Field of Dreams. It just travels so many circles, so many areas from uh, the farm in Iowa, the travel all over the country, um, back, back to Fenway Park, the Joe Jackson and the old White Sox. It just covered so many circles. I could watch that five out of seven nights and not get tired of it. And Moonlight Graham's pretty cool, too. He was the man. He was the, <laughs> he was, he was the man before they had the theme of you being the man. Imagine sitting on the bench for three weeks in, what is it, 1914 with John McGraw managing and just sitting on the bench to probably one of the craziest managers of all time. Like, he wrote a rule book on how to break the rules. Uh, it, was, it was good times and I have to agree with that movie selection you know actually my two favorites is Field of the Dreams and The Natural for very different reasons uh, I think Robert Redford in The Natural was awesome the he fact was. that he makes the Wonder Boy out of a bat out of a tree that was struck by lightning in his yard uh, or his farm rather was, was just awesome but Field of Dreams tearjerker every time and he's at least a box of Kleenex you know we're man enough here that's a Kleenex movie you know dad will you have a catch does that get you every single time? Every single time. Every single time. A real, a, 
anybody who watches that, if you're a real baseball person, a real baseball guy, it's going to get you. It's just a great movie. It's it's a great movie. I mean, it has everything. So before we were talking also not just about favorite movies, but worst baseball movies. There's oh, a ba- there's a lot ones. of bad baseball movies. Tim, what was your worst baseball movie? I think you had a few thoughts there. Yeah, I actually I don't even think I brought this one up, but um, you always see like the like the bleacher features on MLB Network, and all of the ones I've seen, like, have, have you seen like the reruns, like or like the uh, the really crappy sequels, like Bad News Bears, like Spring Training. Yeah, because MLB Network like does not have enough money to buy the originals. Right. They buy like the sequel to put on Sunday nights, and it's the just... Bad News Bears sequels are atrocious. They're all bad. They're not good. They're not good at all. Wait, wait. The original Bad News Bears was pretty epic. The, ba- the, the original is fine. The second and the, the third are fine. horrible. But like the new school, even the new school one they did with like, oh, they got like the uh, like the Under Armour Yankees and stuff. That wasn't that great. The spring training ones they made in like the 90s were, ugh. But, what, but here's like, what you guys don't get though. You, don't, you go, here's your homework assignment. It's summer, but here's your homework assignment from your fathers. Go watch the original Bad News Bears because that is the epitome of baseball when Don and I played. You showed up in jeans. You rode your bicycle there. Your coach was probably probably drunk and drove in on his Cadillac and probably just cleaned a pool. That was the reality. It wasn't these dads that studied the rule books and studied stuff. It was just guys found on the street, probably passed some sort of a, I don't think they had Corey's. They down, don't have they? Finn. There was no way there was Corey's back then. That was the me? reality. I do the, recall having a coach when I was around 11 or 12 who would come out, out to the fields. We would all get out there. He would take the equipment bag because we didn't all have Stuff. Bat bags and everything like we do do now. He would dump the bag empty of all, every baseball bat helmet, and we can go scrimmage, and he would go over and sleep on the bleachers. <laughs> Usually smoking a cigarette. <laughs> I don't think he did that time. <laughs> that <laughs> at least, time. Or at least, baseball or at least 70s and that part of the story time. is faded from memory. But you, I'm serious. You watch the original Bad News Bears. That was the epitome of baseball in the 70s and 80s. Baseball in baseball. the 70s and 80s was absolutely crazy. We didn't wear cups. Cups we drank out of. All right, that's way too much information. <laughs> like, I think we needed to know that, but thank you. Thanks, very, thanks, Dad. Dixie cups is what we drank out of. We okay, have I think, right, we're going to move on. I think it's time to move on. You, your time, I think it's time to get back on track. Yeah, 70s, 80s was great baseball, though also different reasons. You look back now at the uniforms, they were hideous. The worst uniform ever had to be the old Houston Astros. It would light up a sky on a rainy night. The Tequila Sunrise, those were great uniforms. Uh, the 70s is also crazy. For <laughs> all Don, do you remember the first baseball game you ever went to? And when it was and what was, stadium? Because I have was, a vivid memory of my it, first it was, baseball game. It was game. at Fenway. It was probably 68. It was a Red Sox-Yankee game. I was very fortunate that we had a, a neighbor of ours who would... Uh, friends with a Red Sox executive, a family member, so we used to get tickets, but we only got them during the week. We weren't a, exclusive to weekend games, but we had they were nice seats, and we would go there. I remember I was a catcher. I loved, I always, to this day, I know who the catchers were in every game, and Elston Howard was the Red Sox catcher who had been traded from the Yankees to the Red Sox the previous season during the summer of 67. And now That's I'm going to awesome. turn the cards on you. You tell me yours. Yeah, All well, right. So I'm, I'm a diehard Yankees fan, but my first Major League Baseball game was actually at Fenway Park, and I'll tell you why. My older brother, it was his 10th birthday. His birthday is July 18th. So as you can imagine, hotter than you know what in, in the north northeast. And... Uh, a group of us, my parents, we all went to Fenway Park. We ended up sitting in the last row of the bleachers 
where your back's against them, what now I think is a huge Dunkin' Donuts sign. And I just remember sitting there melting. I don't remember who they played. I don't remember anything about the game other than I think I lost 30 pounds. My little seven-year-old feeble body <laughs> lost 30 pounds of sweat that day. So that was my first Major League Baseball. You're moment. neglecting to tell the Westerners, though, that your entire family is Red Sox fans. Like, you are the only Yankee fan in the entire family. I am the only smart one you in are the entire only smart family one. <laughs> when it comes to baseball. But, I love my family dearly, but when it comes to baseball, there is a big old line. All right, so on fan. the topic of baseball games, what's your favorite baseball moment ever? Don? I'm going to go down into two parts. My favorite, it's just a culmination. It had to be the Red Sox finally breaking through the curse. Being of the years of experience watching them in heartbreak, I lived through 67. I somehow lived through... 75, 86, I thought the world was going to end, or I probably wanted it to end. So finally breaking the curse in 2004 probably had to be the happiest moment. Granted, I was working Kenmore Square that night, so I didn't even really even get to watch the game. But that would be my happiest moment because then getting home at 5.30 a.m. knowing that they had finally broken the curse and probably being the first person in the city of Boston or Greater Boston, New England, anywhere to buy the Globe and the Herald that morning because we had been working all night. What was it like working at Kenmore Square the night that the Sox finally broke the curse? In this day and age of social media and cell phones, I told my wife this. I had my picture taken more times last night than I did on, my, on our <laughs> wedding day. That's awesome. <laughs> all right, so Dad, what's your... Well, so... I, you know, Don, we got to get to your second part because that was part one, I think. So, so my, mine's a couple different parts. Um, but before I go, I want to hear your second part first because I'm the sure the second that's part was one of my personal experiences. Uh, I had a brother who's 18 months younger than I. They called us Irish twins, but you know that was that's for mathematicians to actually figure out. So we were in class a lot. Then one year. Back in the 70s, not everybody had cars, so my mom and dad put us on the same same team. Went well. Other teams really didn't like it because my brother could pitch. I caught. We could both hit fairly well. And we had a game we didn't exactly show up, I guess, till about the fifth inning. And then I proceeded to hit two home runs and a double. He pitched the last four scoreless innings and also threw in a couple of hits. And after that, it was a... Uh, insurmountable uh, opposition from the rest of the league why we were on the same team. So I guess my second part would be the playing with my brother and just completely dominating one game. <laughs> it was that six minute, uh, six innings of, uh, of history right there? All summed up. <laughs> All summed up? Well, truth be told, I was, I was horrible at baseball. I was the guy they put in left field and actually dropped fly balls, so I don't have any stories to compare to your <laughs> multi-home run dinger game. It's, it's uh, still memories. My, my, my career was, was short-lived, but I, I love the game. So as a diehard Yankees fan, obviously the choice for me is – there's a couple things, so I'll go through them real quick. But 96, you know, watching the World Series for the first time as an adult, you know, of course they were in the 70s and I was less than 10 years of age, so those were not as memorable um, because, you know, you just – don't have access to media like you do today. Um, but 96, watching the uh, Yankees win was awesome. Uh, 98 was awesome because actually the World Series started on uh, my wedding day. Game one was my wedding day. It was the San Diego Padres, New York Ooh. Yankees. And uh, that was really epic. And I got to watch him win it in four-game sweep in Hawaii, which was kind of cool. Nothing like sitting poolside 
actually a bar in the pool in Hawaii watching the uh, Yankees beat the Padres in four games. So that, that was pretty epic. Than that. So we'll tie those as, as a one and a one A. Um, item number two, most memorable, and Javik Slate correction, your grandfather is actually a diehard Cubs fan because he grew up in Wisconsin, so everybody but uh, Poppy is a Red Sox fan at home. But I'll tell you, memorable moments is watching the Cubs win the World Series for a variety of reasons. One, both my boys, Aiden and Javik, and all three of us were sitting on the couch watching the game. You might remember that. That was and, an epic game, too. And we that called Poppy. We called Poppy on the phone right as that game was concluding because that was his Red Sox moment, he was right? Asleep, so that wasn't was he? his. Yeah. And, and I think we woke him up. I think we did wake him up. He wasn't watching. He fell asleep in <laughs> he fell asleep the, like the third inning. Well, because that game had a rain delay. Yeah, it then, got over at like, I remember it was like a Tuesday night and it got over at like yeah. 1 a.m. and he's in his 70s he was like asleep fell asleep <laughs> you know it is what it is he gets up at four so you know he needs to get those naps in so part three is um probably meeting a yankee and and he's no longer a yankee but i had the pleasure of meeting joe girardi and i was in a hotel in st petersburg florida in the springtime and it happened to be the week of baseball tryouts and he, i was standing in the lobby he was standing in the lobby i look over and i'm like that's joe girardi and I was with a couple friends of mine, and we were just finishing up dinner and all that. And I walk up to him, and I just politely introduce him. I say, excuse me, Mr. Jardy, uh, lifelong Yankee fan. We got to talking. And uh, then I brought you into the conversation, JB. Can you remember yeah, what happened that was the that night? night before. So that was the night. So I was a freshman then, so that was two years ago, you know, a long time away. But um, that was the night before my freshman baseball tryouts. Right. And, for freshman uh, year. And I get a call from you. It's like, no, I texted you. You texted me. Are you me. awake? Are you awake? And it's like 1130. So at 15, obviously I'm awake. Um, so I'm like, yeah, why? Stand and by your you're phone. You're like, stand by your phone. And I'm like, okay, what in the world are you doing? And then I get a call and it's, uh, hey, Javik, I want you to meet someone. Okay. Hi, this is Joe Girardi. And then I, I don't remember what happened after that. Like, it's Well, clearly mind. Joe Girardi lives down as the most uh, polite, respectful, and a gentleman, a true gentleman, and talked you up and gave yeah. you some great words of encouragement that night. And uh, I have a picture in our basement here um, of me and Joe and a signed picture of him as a catcher, which a, a friend of mine gave me. And that right down lives as what true classy guy he is. Though he's not with the Yankees anymore, he will end up somewhere. I think this year is kind of hiatus, but he will be coaching next year somewhere in the major league. And whoever gets him will be fortunate to have him as part of their baseball family. So anyway, long story short, those are my three favorite baseball memories. As you can imagine, they're pretty cool individually. So now moving on to present day stuff, we'll actually get into some of the show topics. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays and their whole opener, closer, just bullpen fiasco that's going to destroy everybody's arms down in Tampa Bay. Yeah, it, it's it's a really weird situation that we've never seen before. Obviously, they have really only three on a good day, four starters in that rotation. Then I've never seen a team do bullpen day consistently as this far into the season ever that they've done. They're killing their arms in their bullpen. Not that they have a lot of quality arms in that bullpen to begin with. Um, but not even that, but I think really what surprised me over the last two month the last month or so with them is two things. One, they have totally destroyed um a lot of the great competition that baseball has offered. They've done really well against the Nationals. They've done really well against the Yankees. And the thing that stands out to me was actually a game against the Nationals a couple weeks ago. And this is Maybe one of the weirder things, like it, it was a full-blown Little League moment of substitutions and coaches knowing the rule books. Um, so they were, quick story time, they're playing the Nationals. They have a one nothing lead in the ninth, and they had lefty, They had one of their left-handed pitchers in. Um, his name's Jose Al Alvarado, right? 
Jose Alvarado. Jose Alvarado, yeah. yes. So he had – this is the situation. They have Bryce Harper and Juan Soto, both lefties coming up, and then Daniel Murphy um, behind him. But they have Anthony Rendon in the middle who just mashes lefties, mashes them. So Kevin Cash, knowing, okay, my bullpen arms are already limited, let's see what we can do. So he lets um, Alvarado pitch to Harper and Soto. And just stay with me for a minute because even just talking about this makes my head spin. Alvarado is a lefty. He goes to first. Um, their first base, their first baseman Bowers goes to left field. Malik Smith, their left fielder, goes to right field. Johnny Field, their right fielder, comes in out of the game, and they bring in a reliever, um, Chazro, to face Rendon. After he gets Rendon, they bring Alvarado back in from first from first base to pitch to Murphy, and somehow this was all perfectly legal, and I don't understand how. It's the mass. It's like a triple switch at that point. Right. It's a triple switch. It's kind of like they won too. Yeah, they did. They because then Sergio Romo came in after Alvarado to get the last out, and they won. And it was a one nothing game too. Yeah, it's. I don't know what Kevin Cash is actually doing. It's absolutely insane. But the problem with them is because they started the season only with four starters, and with the amount of off days they had in April, they. They had enough. They could just go with a four-man rotation. They've kept that up, except now Archer's hurt, and he's going to be out for a while. And then you have Faria, who was supposed to be one of their guys, too, is out on the 60-day DL as well. And it gets to a point where the only pitcher you have over 100 innings is Blake Snell. The only pitcher on this entire staff, the only one close is Ryan Yarbrough at 79. And he's only started four games because the way it's working out, he's not ever starting. He's coming in in the first inning, which is actually an interesting strategy if you want to tie if you actually think about it it's an interesting strategy to start off with a reliever because you want to set the tone early if you're thinking of it in sabermetrically you want to get your win expectancy up above 50 percent right out of the gate and what happened last night in the yankees game with rafael deverson your grand slam in the first inning that shot the red sox win expectancy run probability way up to the top and if you're trying to get that, because technically it's a sort of a high leverage situation in the first few innings because it's the best hitters, and usually you're going to bring in your best reliever against your best hitters in the best situations. So if they're going to bring in their best reliever, shut them down, and then bring your starter against the six, seven, eight, nine guys in the end of the order to shut them down, and then you go back up to the top of the order and you just keep on playing like a regular game. It makes sense. The only problem that the Rays are doing is they're telling their team what pitcher's coming in. Right, you think in this new sabermetrics game that it's just it's totally reasonable to think that and just you know get the win expectancy up. But we have to remember that these guys aren't as bionic as we think they are, yeah. and these are human arms we're dealing with. So obviously they are going to tire out at some point. Exactly, but the point, the, the problem is they're telling teams what's coming in. You can tell a team Sergio Romo is coming out there. He's gonna you don't nobody's gonna know how long he lasts. If you're Kevin Cash, you don't have to be like, well Ryan Yarbrough is coming in in the second inning with one out. You don't have to tell a team that, and that's his problem. He's telling teams who's coming in. So the teams are like, well, okay, so why don't, like, if you're the Yankees, like, you can just be like, why don't we just send up, like, Austin Romine, Kyle Hoshikioka, and, like, all the guys that can't hit at the top of the order. Why don't you just end load the lineup so you face Yarbrough when you know he's not that great? I mean, Yarbrough's at 3.76. If they're throwing out, like, Jose Alvarado is a 2.88 DRA, why don't you just throw your, why don't you just bat your guys who can't hit at the top of the lineup and then at the end of the line, if you have your guys who can hit against a starting pitcher who's coming in late and doesn't know exactly, like is not exactly comfortable with the situation, it's going to work easier for you if you end load your lineup, which I think some teams will start doing if they start end loading their lineup if Kevin Cash keeps telling teams what pitcher he's going to pitch. 
Right, and it's a, it's a tough scenario for anything any team, but I think it's especially just really strange for the Rays because outside of maybe Blake Snell, there's no one on that pitching staff that really strikes fear into you when you see them coming out of the bullpen. I would have expected this more for a team like the Cubs or right. a team whose new school thinking sabermetrically inclined and the Rays are not really at all. No. I mean, they have good players, but they're not like they're not sabermetrically inclined. They're not the A's. They're not the Cubs. They're the Rays, and they haven't really been relevant in ten years. Right. It, it's it's interesting. It's I kind of I kind of think it's cool, but at the same time, it doesn't make any sense. And it, if it's, you're, it's their only route to relevance right now. It really yeah, is. it really is because right now they're sitting at exactly five hundred. And since they've really started doing this, it's been the past two months. They're twenty seven and twenty eight, which is wildly mediocre. Yeah, but they took the Yankees. And made them look like a minor league team the past six games combined they played, right? So, yeah. You know, I remember listening to the game on Sunday. I happened to be painting the deck, which is always great baseball listening activities, by the way. If you got nothing else to do on a hot summer day, paint the deck, listen to baseball. And I, my, my ears were um, enjoying the sounds of uh, Susan Waldman and um, her partner in the booth there. John Sterling? Uh, that would be John Sterling. And, you know, they, they really keyed in on the fact that William Font started that game. He's a reliever, and he gave them five good innings up up until, um, I think it was Hicks that he gave up a solo home run to. So, and, and for them, that was a boost of, here's a guy that's a constant reliever, started the game, and really went five innings strong. And they kept on pushing him out there, and, and they were shocked that they pulled him after five and two-thirds innings. Because they thought he had more gas in the tank. But I think the Rays, you know, from a strategy standpoint, maybe they're trying to see is how can they take these relievers and put them over to be starting pitchers, which is obviously a goal of any pitcher, right? You want to be a starter. You want to take the rock and run with it. Um, so, you know, it's worked out, I think, in their favor. Uh, Don, I don't know. You, you obviously didn't watch the same game I did because it was the Yankees. But uh, have you seen Tampa Bay stack up against the Sox? Well, Kevin Cash, being a former manager, knows the game better. But some of the managing tactics, if you put him, some of these former catchers that have become managers, just like Joe Girardi, I don't think Girardi would make some of these moves in 20 years. It's just very unorthodox. Uh, well, Girardi wouldn't do it because the numbers don't tell him. He's a numbers guy. He is a he's big numbers a gut, guy. Binder Joe. Guy. There's a reason he was called Binder Joe. <laughs> he also had a much, but he also had way better weapons to work with. I mean, his last year in New York, he was trotting guys like Aroldis Chapman. Del Matantis, David Robertson, Tommy Canley out of the bullpen. The Rays don't have that. They don't have that available to them. And the Rays, they've done well. They they won five straight. So that that run against the Yankees started around a five straight wins. But there was also a point where they had lost eight in a row against Seattle, Washington, and then Seattle again. And they're just a weird team. Like they're off and on. Like they can go hot and then they'll go dead cold for a week. They're the scariest spoiler in the American League. They are come. September, it's going to be really interesting because they're going to play a huge factor in who wins the AL East. And the fact that they sent the Yankees a bill for hitting the speaker in the Tropicana Dome is the dumbest thing in the world. That place should be burned to the ground. Any other park, Clint Frazier hits that home run, the Yankees win that game. Any other park pays for their own darn speaker when it gets broken by a baseball. When there's 9,000 people showing up to your games, you don't have enough money to pay for a speaker. They pass the hat like they do in the Cape League to pay for new speakers. (laughs) Come on now, we're Major League Baseball. Billions of dollars. Don't send the other team a bill when a baseball hits your speaker. Buy some netting or to something. To pump in fake crowd noise, by the way. It's to pump in fake crowd noise because nobody goes to the games. That get, the Tropicana Field, it could burn to the ground and I'd be the happiest person on the face of the earth. The place in a, is in 
just atrocious. Like, what's the point of having it there? It's it's a smidge better in person than it is on TV. Having been there, it's maybe the, it's a smidge better. A smidge better? They have catwalks. It's like if it hits the well, second ring, want, it's well, in are, play, and a Danny Hetchabria can catch a ball off a freaking speaker. Hold on, it's going to go out of the park. If it hits the ladder, it's though. an in-the-field triple. But it's not in the roof. You don't, like, hit a moon shot, and a Danny Hetchabria is just, like, standing at short waiting to catch it because it's going to be a 400-foot home run. The Rays were also relevant when we went. I mean, that was, like, 2009, so they were a year removed from being the champions in the American League. So that's a little bit different, so they're a little more they're a little We more talk about – I think we've mentioned this, like, five times in seven episodes. But Every time you get started on the drop, I know it's All right, so can we move off the race? We're giving too much air time to a team that's subpar. To a 500 team. I, I'd much rather talk about tonight's matchup. Well, I think I think we're gonna have to wait a wait till the end to get in the Yankees Red Sox because we're gonna dedicate a good chunk of time to that. But I think we gotta get into the All Star picks now, which is it's almost that time. We're about two weeks away now, 16 days away exactly at the recording of this podcast, which is July 1st from the All Star game. July 17th. July 17th, Nationals Park. 8.15? It'll be on Fox. Joe Buck will be So here's a question. Is Trump showing up? That's a good question. That would be an interesting thing. I don't think he watches baseball. I know. he's No, he's a Yankees fan. He is? I remember. So there's a story about him walking in. Um, I think it was actually Kurt Schilling that pointed him out. Game 6 in 04, Trump walked into the game in a Yankees hat. So that's why they didn't win. That's why they went to Game 7. Gosh darn that guy. He, he's got some weird allegiances because I know – well. He's a Patriots fan, but I think that's just more of the friendship with the Kraft family. And he's a Yankees fan, and that, that's really the only two sports we know about. He just likes winning. He does like winning. <laughs> he just likes championships. He's going to make America great again. <laughs> I was about to break out the winning comment, but I'm like, wait, that's not Trump. That's Charlie Sheen. Okay. All right. So on to the All-Star selections. Um, so we'll just go around in a circle, everyone. We'll start with the American League. Um. We'll start a catcher. So I got Wilson Ramos, who's really been having a great season with Tampa Bay. He's really been turning it on for them. He's been playing great. And if you look at the rest of the catchers in the American League, no one's really run away with a great season. I mean, Gary Sanchez has been god-awful. I'm actually kind of happy he got hurt because that way he gets time to like recoup, figure out his swing, get back. But Wilson Ramos has really been just a key player in this Rays team and really carrying them so far. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I picked Ramos too because you're right. There really is no standout catcher in the league this year. I mean, the Red Sox don't have a standout offensive catcher. We know that. Sanchez has been struggling. Um, no one else has really led the pack, and Ramos is hitting like 290 for the Rays. I mean, he's literally got them to 500 pretty much by himself, along with a couple other players. And not only that, and this is the other thing is, you're not going to see this on the stat sheet, is the intangibles, and this is the last thing we'll say about the Rays, is the intangibles, the he, has, the intangibles he has to deal with of literally handling about 12 pitchers in like two days. No other catcher in the league has to do that, and that's honestly kind of the other reason why I picked him. On the diamond, string, Carinos, Texas, statistically, he's hitting way above everybody else. He's the man for catching position in the American League. I'm jumping on the Ramos bandwagon. There we go. That's what we like to see. That's what we like to see. So Ramos, I mean, he's a, he's a great player, really doing well. Moving on to first base, I got Albert Pujols. The guy's really had a resurgence this year with the Angels. He's hitting, yes, he's hitting 245. His OPS isn't great, but he's he's doing well enough. I mean, there's, there's no really any, again, going back to catcher, there's no really standout first baseman in the American League. It's not like the National League where Freddie Freeman is by far and away the best first baseman in that league. There's no one who's really standing out. It's more of a toss-up between all the guys, and you you can really pick or choose. Right. I, I actually went with Pujols, too, and this is 
we talked about this a lot in our first couple episodes and how I kind of thought the Angels were going to be our dark horse. I'm not so sure anymore just because their pitching staff's really gone down the drain. Um, Mike Trout can only do so much by himself. I mean, he's been able to have the supporting cast. Otani's been able to hit a little bit. But Pujols, even at age – I mean, he's in his mid-30s now at least. And he's putting up numbers just like at one of the more consistent rates in all of baseball. Which is really interesting because when he started with the Angels, it was it was bad. It was really bad. And Don, on to you. Uh, first base, I go with Joey Gallo. He might be the leading vote getter, but doesn't always play. But statistically, he's he's done the job. He's been consistent. Yeah, he's been consistent in three true outcomes. That's definitely for sure. He's got 20 bombs, which might be his only claim to fame right now. I think, does he have more extra base hits than, yeah, I think he has more strikeouts than singles. Right, yeah. Don, I, I think they're going to make fun of our picks here. Good with that, because that can be a two-way street, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. The Don Smackdown comes in. All right, so I, I, I went with Houston and Gary L. I, I think um, he did a great job last year. He's, he's on fire again this year. Uh, why not? Why not? And moving on to second base, I actually have another Astro who's consistently the best second baseman in the league, probably the best hitter in the league, Jose Altuve. Yeah, this might be a clean sweep. I went with Altuve. Looking at it all, Altuve. He's the heart and soul of that team. He's been very more than consistent the first half. Anybody votes anybody but Altuve, there's the stairs. Well, I'm not going to take Don Stairs, and I'm going with Altuve. So there we go. There we go. Despite what's written out on my paper, I'm not being threatened by an Irish guy here who grew up in Boston. You know, I know what that's like. Don't look at my paper. Okay. Okay. And moving on to short, a guy who's probably no longer going to be with this team come July 31st, Manny Machado. He's had a great season again. It's him, Frankie Lindor, pretty much one, two, as far as great guys up the middle. Um, he's been a great job. And ever since he's moved to third, he's kind of just gotten better defensively. Yeah, I, I, he's been, Machado's been amazing. I, I do definitely think he'll be, he'll be out of Baltimore by July 31st. And I actually I switched my pick. For, I, I was going with Machado, but I saw something on Twitter a couple weeks ago from the Cleveland Indians Twitter account um, just acknowledging, well, you know, Frank, Frankie Lindor has obviously the better sock game. And just better intangibles all around, so that was that was enough to sway my pick. And I mean, Lindor's been hitting two ninety. He's got like double digit bombs. That's good enough for me. The guy sucks. Change your opinion from Manny Machado to Frankie Lindor. No, I just needed a reason to pick Lindor because I, I have. A, <laughs> okay. And, and that, was the, that was the first thing that came to Tim, mind. Tim, you're okay. so fashion forward. Yes, fashion forward. I also went with Lindor. He's just fun to watch. It didn't pay a lot of attention to the statistics. Um, I could have gone with Machado. I don't think he makes it even that late in July. I think he's out of this. Sooner than that, there'll be a contender. Somebody will open up the bank. He's going to be a bad pick. But for shortstop, I went, also went with Lindor. Enter the first homer pick of the day, DD at short. You know, with his hitting power and what he's done so far, though we had a little cold streak, he snapped out of it. DD. Hey, even Jeter went over 40. What was the what was the one in May? He was like one for forty four or something. Yeah. Hey, everybody, hey, everybody hate. slumps. Everybody slumps. If we were going on April, he would have been far and away the pick for. Homer picks are allowed, right? Homer no, picks are allowed. Speaking of Homer picks, their base Miguel Andujar because there's really he's an absolute beast. The guy subscribes to only doubles and triples. He's hitting two eighty. He's slugging five fifteen. He has an 821 OPS, 12 home runs, 38 RBIs, and only 70 games with the team. He's really, 
he's just turned it on. And if you think back to the before the season, Brandon Drury was signed, and everyone was like, all right, they'll give you know their young guys a little time. And then Drury got hurt. Andy Hart stepped in. And that guy has just raked all season long. He is 23 doubles, 2 triples, 12 home runs. That ends up with 47 extra base hits. And he only has 75 hits in the season. The guy has absolutely turned it on. Yeah, I um I went back to Cleveland for my pick at third base. I'm going with Jose Ramirez. Um, easily one of the more underrated dunk stars that we have in our game today. The guy does everything. He switch hits. He can play multiple positions. Anything that Cleveland has asked him to do, he's done it and he's excelled. Um, that was an easy pick for me. I went with uh, Moustakas from Kansas City. He's just consistent. It's fun to watch. I think he'll be a spark. And he might be one of those intangibles in an all-star game. All right, so timeout. The Crowley boys. Really? How do you not pick a Yankee at third base? I'm picking a Red Sox in the outfield. Okay. Come on, really? I did. I, Andrew R. There we go. Move there on to the Andrew, Andrew R. R. Good. There really? we go. You guys picked anybody but a Yankee at Mike the Mike Moustakis? Oh, really? Lindor is okay, but Moustakis? This is not 2016. Hello? I did, I did, I'll admit, I did not pick a Yankee out of position. I, I will admit this, though. I have no problem with Luis Severino starting the game. No problem. He's that. going to start the game because he's All the right. best pitcher in the American League. We don't get to pick that. But we don't. That's right. So that doesn't count. So just just admit that you chose not to pick. You, you, you eliminated the Yankees and chose from the rest of the list. Ramirez has like 23 home runs this year. Ooh. That's great. Miguel Andujar has 47 extra base hits and 75 hits in the air, and he's still batting 290. And what do we like? He gets on base. He gets on base. <laughs> All right, so outfield, left to right, judge. Betts and Trout. So you got the best player in baseball, Mike Trout. You got one of the best young player in baseball, Aaron Judge. Then you have some guy from the Red Sox who decided to hit 349 in Mookie Betts. And he's got a cool first name. Who is awesome to name their kid Mookie, right? Oh, yeah. Let's like get extra That's points a good in name. my That book. is extra yeah. points. That's it's cool. It's almost man. like as cool as Javik. Almost as cool. Almost. All right. Parents are awesome. Oh, oh so much so. Right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go left to right with mine. Definitely Mike Mike Trout and Mookie Betts were were total shoe-ins. I'm gonna mix it up a little bit. He's not gonna. I'm gonna throw Yankees. something at you. I'm gonna fight you on this podcast right here. I will fight you. No, I'm gonna pick one of the surprises of 2018 in one of the reasons that Seattle's still in it. Mitch Haniger has really surprised me this year. He's had some consistency. Half your audience just said who? Probably. probably. Mitch Haniger. Mitch Haniger over Mitch Aaron Judge. What are you smoking? Because Aaron Judge has not been the same player that he was. He's he still had a fantastic year, but Mitch Haniger has been. Have amazing. you looked at Aaron Judge's stats? Done. Beat your child. <laughs> <laughs> I may not have an argument. <laughs> wow. So my left to right, I love speed. Timmy knows I love speed. It's a, a part of the game that I just love. So I went with in left field a defending World Series champion. George Springer, Mookie Betts from some team around the Beantown area, and my right fielder is the – I went back and forth on him and Judge, and somehow I went, took Mike Trout. And I'm really not even a Trout fan. It was back and forth. I saw what both of them have done. He's trying to save himself. He's trying to save I himself. I no saving here. I will just say it. <laughs> but it wasn't an anti-Yankee pick. Uh, that I will say. All right, whatever. Uh, judge bets Trout. Obvious three choices. Move on. All right, so not a DH. Nelson Cruz because J.D. Martinez can get out. Because, you know, Nelson Cruz has really been a catalyst for this Mariners team. He's really helping them stay in the race. Um, he doesn't play for the Red Sox, so I'm going to pick him. 
Okay, any baseball fan. I mean, J.D. Martinez is blowing every DH Nelly, out of the water right now. All right, Nelly Park. Cruz is doing pretty good. 21 bombs, 51 homers, 276, 928 OPS. Okay, J.D. Martinez is on one of all right, the first Red Sox ever to have 25 home runs before the end of June. He's hitting 327. He's leading the league in RBIs. His OPS is off the charts. His slugging is off the charts. It's the obvious pick. I, if he was a Yankee, I'd probably still say the same so thing. So you're comparing was, against mediocrity is what you're doing. First Red Sox to do that. Well, compare it against the rest of the world. Okay, uh, I will go. Okay, let's talk acquisitions for a minute. Giancarlo Stanton was supposed to be like the second coming of God this year. He's hit 265, only like, what, seven? How many months? He's hit 16? 320 in the. He's hit like three. He's hit 300 in the past month. Okay, that's the past month. Martinez has hit three. What have you done for me now? Huh? What have you done for what me now? What has Stanton done for you, actually? I, I'd like to know. Because J.D. Martinez has made himself one of the prime MVP candidates in his first season. Giancarlo Stanton came to the media capital of the world and has really undershown himself. He's hitting the the literally the comparison. Hey, to hey, sh- should we mention that your two hundred twenty million dollar acquisition for starting pitcher was on the DL because of tendonitis from playing Fortnite? I can't wait to call you tonight after he just put carpal tunnel syndrome from playing okay. Fortnite. Okay. That was no, your. Do we have to put okay. a call a time out here? So then you shouldn't be talking about the last month, a uh, little last month starts because David Price is like seven and zero in his last seven starts. So you cannot start. You can. Eduardo not. Rodriguez was also thirteen and one with pitching for the Red Sox. How did that work out on Friday? Well, all right, Actually, hey, it's a new day. It's hey, a new Don, day. who do you have at DH? Actually, in the saucepan, the gong these interruption here. We get Michael Buffer down here. So, I also picked Martinez. I just think his stats is over, over and above, clear away. So he's my choice. And now we. Off to the National League? Oh, no, my, my oh, DH. Okay. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Didn't mean to overlook you there. I, well, for the homer pick number... here. I kind of lost track of where we were. Uh, it's not a homer pick if it's a good pick. Homer pick number two. It's not a homer pick if it's a good pick. Giancarlo Stanton. <laughs> let's move on to the National League. All right, let's go. Before you cats get into another fight. We're not going to get into a fight. What are you talking about? National League. First baseman, or no, catcher. Catcher. JT Realmuto. Same. He's done a fantastic job with the Marlins. He's batting over 300 for a team that is absolute trash. Um, he's going to get moved to the deadline just because he's a good player. He's got to go to a contender. Maybe Milwaukee? They might need some catching help, but Possibly. there's... They, they still need a starting pitcher, though. I feel they like do. That's still their priority. They're going to they're gonna need a lot, but I he's my pick for catcher. Yeah, I, I, I went with Real Muto, too. Um, Unlike the American League, I feel like there actually is a standout catcher here, and it's it's JT. I mean, he's hitting 300. Um, really, just being. I mean, and no one's really talking about it because he is on one of the lower level teams in the basement of baseball right now. But I mean, you got to respect the stars no matter what team you're on. Catcher, Florida State guy. I think he's a solid catcher. All side games, you have to have good catching. I think their offense is. Just an added bonus, uh, Posey. Molina. Which one? Oh, sorry, this wasn't five years ago. It was five years ago. I'd have to ask you which one. There's like seven of them in the big leagues. Uh, first on. base for me, Freddie Freeman. The guy is absolutely insane. I mean, he's the he's he's a prime MVP candidate. He probably is the MVP candidate nationally right now. Yeah, I, I pitched Freeman too, and I feel like he always he's one of the guys that gets overlooked because of. Just how all over the place the Braves have always been. But if you look, since he came into the league in like 
2010-2011. He's been one of the more consistent players in baseball. He's always a threat to go yard. And he's just a guy that you'd love to be able to see shine on a first-place team now after all the work he's put in. He's hitting 300 again this year. Freddie Freeman, easy pick. Freddie Freeman. Says it in a Brave shirt, nonetheless. Yeah, why, Don, why are you wearing a Brave shirt in 30 seconds or less? It was my first team. I've been a Red Sox fan, grew up in the Boston area, but one of my uncles was a Boston Braves fan way back. Probably one of the two people that most influenced my love of baseball. See, Tim told me you used to go to the Boston Braves when you were a kid. Just saying. Not that old. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. All right, so starting first base for the uh, excellent Craig Blake picks because Arizona always needs to be represented. We're going with Goldschmidt. Goldie! Goldie! I love Goldie. He's but a good guy. You know, is, are his numbers the best? No. Is he average? Yeah. A little bit no, he's average. not average. He's good. He's the most underrated player in baseball. Did, you, did uh, Goldie write back to you yet? He did not. Uh, for second base for me, I got from the Cincinnati Reds, Scooter Jeanette, who is currently leading the National League in batting average. And he's just being – he's really good on a really mediocre team. I mean, that team has Votto, Jeanette, and Suarez on that team. Which is really a good infield. The problem is they have no pitching, which has been their problem this entire rebuild. Yeah, I'm, I'm going back to Atlanta for my next pick. Um, we're talking about all the young stars that have really burst on the scene this year. Um, we talked in our first show about how we didn't really have a standout for National League Rookie of the Year, and there really was nobody. Ozzie Albies is actually my pick, and he's really making himself a case for Rookie of the Year. He's come on the scene, burst on in Atlanta. He's hit like 16 home runs. Him and Acuna are one of the, like, I love watching those two just go to work as rookies. They have been unreal. Ozzy Alves is my pick for second base. The Braves are in the same place as the Yankees. They're going to have the one and the two in the rookie of the year voting. Baez is my pick. Nobody plays the but I love Baez. It's fun to watch. I think in an all-side game, he's going to bring a couple of those more intangibles, keep you in the game a little longer. I would love to see another uh, no-look tag if someone tries to steal and buys us in. I love the no-look tag. What was it, World Baseball Classic? Yeah, 2017 World Baseball Classic. It's great. All right, shortstop. Because I got a soft heart for Yankee players that get sent to the island of Misfit Toys. We're doing second base. What is it, second base? Second base. Castro. Castro. He's in the land of Misfit Toys down in Miami. Uh that's how they should actually make shirts. That'd be awesome. Land of Misfit Toys with a Miami Marlins logo, maybe with a button eye or something like that. Okay. That would definitely be an appropriate name. I think you could come up with a great shirt for that, too. Oh, yeah. Are we finally getting our merch line going? That'll be our first shirt. Sure. The Land of Misfit Toys. The Land of Misfit, Land of Misfit, Misfit Toys. toys. <laughs> no licensing at all. Let's do it. Uh, shortstop for me, Brandon Crawford. He's really behind this Giants resurgence. He's hitting really well. And he's 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 all his defense is always a plus. Yeah, another standout pick. Crawford's sitting like three thirteen, really one of the few. I mean, along with uh, Longoria McCutcheon, he's been the standout for the Giants. If they end up making a run to the playoffs, it's going to be because of him. Um, easy pick. I went with Russell at shortstop, just an off the off the cuff pick. He's fun, consistent, great defensively. He actually, I mean, he had a bomb the other day against the Twins. They go like the go-ahead grand slam. Did you see that the other day? I did not. I saw Jake Cave's catch catch yesterday though. Yeah, that was nice. Former Yankee farmhand got 
picked up in the Rule 5 draft by Minnesota and then yesterday and absolutely laid out. He's finally getting a chance, which is good for him because he's a great outfielder. He just ended up being roadblock because the Yankees have a plethora of great outfielders. And he yesterday, he made a heck of a catch, laid out full extension right in the warning track. I'm uh, half for the guy. He's doing really well in Minnesota, and it's it's awesome. I mean, he was made a heck of a catch yesterday. All right, shortstop. I'm going out to uh, the landed all started in Cincinnati. Who's been rebuilding? You said rebuilding in Cincinnati. They've been rebuilding for like 20 years. They've been rebuilding since it's like Pete Rose left the the 70s. Since you know all that happened. So anyway, we're going to Peraza and shortstop. Good young player. He's doing fun. So let's give him credit. And third base, they, in my opinion, there is no other option. Nolan Arenado. Yeah, I mean, easily this is an MVP candidate, MVP candidate year in, year out. Um, we're not gonna. I'm, I'm, I'm not one of the people that's gonna knock him for playing in the biggest hitters park in all of baseball. He'd be raking wherever he went. Um, so I, I think Nolan Arenado finally deserves some credit. Well, this is a surprise. I agree with both of you on this one. I don't. <laughs> we're gonna go with the Todd father, just because. <laughs> the abysmal mess. Oh, God. Just because I think every team needs to be represented. Not. <laughs> you were what's wrong with the All-Star game. Uh, for my outfield, you got – so you could this could be the starting lineup for 2012 or 2018, one of the two. Yeah. Matt Kemp, <laughs> Nick Markakis, and Ronald Acuna Jr. Matt Kemp, I don't know what happened to that guy. He went back to L.A., and all of a sudden he is an absolute star. Nick Markakis is lighting it up in Atlanta, and Ronald Acuna Jr. is going to win the uh, going to win the Rookie of the Year. Yeah, I'm going to go pretty close. Is pretty much just the NL East All Star team at this point. Um, I'm going with two Braves. We got Ronald Acuna, who you and I saw in Pot in Pawtucket a couple months we ago. We did, um, which I think was his last game in Pawtucket before he went to the Bigs. Yeah, because he he got called up like three days later. Yeah, he got called up like three days later. Nick Markakis has made a resurgence. He's back to the old Orioles. Nick Markakis. He's hitting like 326. And then I got a surprise pick, actually. I'm, go I'm going to Philadelphia for this one. Um, and it's funny. I I've had a real change of heart with this guy. Um, his name's Abdul Herrera, if you haven't heard from him. Um, Sweet hair. Yeah, he's got awesome hair. He's got, like, the short little dreads. It's awesome. Um, his helmet got, like, doesn't fit yeah, double, at all. <laughs> double-digit bombs. It always he, comes up. Double-digit bombs. He made one of the catches of the year to rob a home run center a couple of weeks ago. This is a guy that came in, in like, 2015, and they were so hyped on him as one of their top prospects. He didn't really do anything. Like, yeah, this guy's not going to do much. He's come back this year, really resurgence. I'll give him the credit. He's, he's proven me wrong. I'll, I'll sign him to the All-Star game. I'll see you in Washington. I wish we would all see you in Washington. My picks, uh, Schwaber in left, probably not suited to be a starter. He's probably better suited as a late-inning pinch hit replacement for a little power, but... That's where the key led me to, so I'm going to stick with it. Uh, center field, the speed demon, uh, Andrew, Andrew McCutcheon. He covers a lot of ground, great speed guy. And right field, the probably next year's four, five, six dollars $600 man, Bryce Hopper. All right, uh, so for my outfield picks uh, for the Pittsburgh Pirates, Dickerson from Colorado, because he has the best beard in all of baseball, Blackman. And then I just like Yelich. I've loved Yelich since watching him in the World Baseball Classic. Yelich. Yelich. The Brew Crew has to be represented. Yeah. Absolutely. And you, I know you guys have talked to the, about the Brew Crew a lot, and you talked to Jeff a couple of weeks ago. They're just fun. They are fun. Period. Fun with an exclamation point. Go it, Brew Crew. Except the fact they gave up a pinch hit home run to a pitcher yesterday. Pinch hit grand slam to a pitcher yesterday. It's one out of 182. It's all good. 
162. Yes. All right. Oh, so right. now on to the rivalry, the greatest rivalry in sports, the Yankees and Red Sox. The game three, by the time this podcast will be out, it'll be over. But Severino versus Price. Severino has been – he's going to start in the All-Star game. He is without a doubt the best pitcher in the American League. He's going to win the Cy Young. He's amazing. And they're going to they're gonna kick some butts tonight. Friday – could not have gone better for the Yankees. I mean, they absolutely lit up Eduardo Rodriguez, Greg Bird, two home runs, Miguel Andujar got into it, who's been on fire recently. Him, along with Giancarlo Stanton, Glaber Torres, they've all been firing on all cylinders lately. The only problem is every catcher seems to be getting hurt for the Yankees. Kyle Higashioka is going to be starting now for the catcher because the Austin Romine hamstring tightness got pulled last night. If they just got The Yankees' problem is they need one more starting pitcher because Sonny Gray should not pitch for the New York Yankees. He yeah. cannot pitch in Yankee Stadium to save his life. He, when you are, he, he's on a list with some of the worst Yankee pitchers who have ever pitched for him, and now he's on the list with the worst home ERA of all time in Yankees history. Obviously, the Red Sox were grateful. To the, I mean, I think as Red Sox fans, we are spoiled to get to watch Chris Sale every five days. But I, I like this, their chances tonight with one of the hotter pitchers in baseball right now. David Price is 7-0 over his last seven starts. He's been getting awesome run support. Um, he's really turned around after the Fortnite uh, issue. Um, so I think in that case, and not to be cringy with the reference, but I think David Price brings home a victory royale for the Red Sox tonight. That was cringy, yep. I know. But I, I need to drop it. But all right, so Don, you and I got to go back a couple of years. So, you know, we get the globe here every day at the house. We love reading the paper. And in today's articles, and I got a couple of them in front of me, Nick Cafardo's interview with A-Rod and Dan Shaughnessy's column, it brings me back to the Pedro Clemens era because we finally got something to talk about when these two teams match up. They beat each other up Friday and Saturday night. Now we're looking at a, a finale which will show David Price who's going against one of the hottest young pitchers in the game in Severino. And David Price who comes in with the biggest monkey ever on his back. In the past eight starts versus the Yankees, he's 2-5 and five with a 7.42 ERA. In his first start against him this year, it was 42 degrees, and the guy was out of there in quicker than a New York minute. It's wonderful. You know, regardless of what happens tonight, this is what baseball is all about. I want to see a bat thrown tonight. I want to see a person shoved as they're running down the line. I want to see an old man thrown to the ground with a brawl. If all that happens so in want, one game, so I want, could die. Happy man. So you want Pedro and John Zimmer in attendance tonight? Well, Don's dead. Don isn't coming back. Don is coming. And then you get to talk. Don about is John not Zimmer. coming through How that about door. About a guy that just every year changed his number. Great guy, great baseball guy. Oh, love it, love but it. But Sunday night, Red Sox Yankees, uh, right into the the heat of the summer. It should be a great matchup. Price definitely has something to prove. His. Uh, his body work against the Yankees this year has not been good. And he has not proven anything since signing that contract. He's proven absolutely nothing. I know, Tim, you rave about the fact that he was a good bullpen piece, but he cost $220 million. You, are not, you do not pay someone $200 million, $220 million to be a bullpen piece in the LDS. He's, be... been, he's been bad, and he needs to turn around. At least the Yankees have paid $220 million for Sonny Gray, even though Sonny Gray is god-awful. But David Price needs to show up, and he needs to turn around quickly if the Red if Red Sox fans want to love him because he's he's it's it's bad. Which lately he has. It's just we need to see what he does come October. Exactly. So well, and, and great point, Tim. So you know, and, and Dan Shaughnessy, you got to credit him. I, his columns are hot and cold today. He was on point because he he calls it like he sees it. So 
you know, David Price, your big post-game pitcher, well, guess what, folks? He's 0-8 with a 5.74 ERA in games that really matter. So tonight is a game that really matters. Let's see what he does. I'll be anxious. I'll be sitting in a chair. Um, probably not. I'll listen to it because I'll be down at the Wareham Gateman tonight. But, you know, nonetheless, it'll be fun to watch, uh, to see the highlights and listen to the game and find out what they do. That's the other thing. When are we having our Cape League show? That when you we will. We will. Probably in the dark days of August. <laughs> but... It's, it's going to be fun. It's going to go. This entire season is going down on the wire. The entire season, the fate of who wins this division lies in the final series of the season when the Yankees play the Red Sox. That is the entire division right there. That's, that's what, the only three games that matter for the rest of the year. And we haven't seen something like that since 2005 because that's actually the same scenario. Came to Boston for the last three games, and the Yankees won the, the division uh, behind Randy Johnson. So we could see that again this year, whether it goes to the Yankees or Red Sox. See what happens. So here's a question. You know, so I encourage all your listeners, if you have a chance, look it up online. Nick Cafardo's interview with A-Rod today was fantastic in the paper. And he asked A-Rod, he said, hey, what do you think about having a 100-plus team winning team that's going to finish second and have to play in to get into the uh, playoffs? What do you guys think? I think it's stupid. I mean, I honestly, I right. think I honestly think they should – they need to figure out a way to – not even balance out to the divisions, but just figure out a way so a 102-win team doesn't. Because we saw this happen in 2013 with the Pirates, Cardinals, and the Cubs, where the Cardinals and Pirates ended up having to play in a one-game playoff, and they won 95 and 97 games. That's It doesn't reward teams, especially when you have a team like the Indians who are only going to win 90 games, getting in the playoffs scot-free because the AL Central is deplorable. It's really all sports you see this in now. I mean, this is... Going back to the years of like 2010 NFL, where like the Seahawks were getting home playoff games at, with a seven and nine record. I I I love the division. I think definitely division winning teams need to get their respect and get their first their like their spot in the playoffs. Especially with an unbalanced schedule. Correct. But I think there's no way that a team like the Red Sox Yankees they could win 105 games and be playing and they could be facing James Paxton in the first. Night of uh, October, and it's going to be really interesting at the end of the season because you'd have to think they're going to win the wild card game. That's just what the statistics are going to say. So you're going to play three games against, and that actually happened with the Red Sox last year with right. the Astros. You're going to play three games against each other end the season to end the division. So it's going to be all out that entire weekend. Then you have one game against a wild card team, and you win that, and you go five game ALDS because that's what it's going to happen. One team's going to be either the Yankees or the Red Sox is going to be the number one seed in the AL, and they're going to face the wild card winner. So you're going to play technically eight games against one team. It's not a five-game series. It's a three-game. It's an eight-game series. It's going to be crazy. And eventually, and it's going to be a lot of offense, I feel like, too, because you see those pitchers so many times, you're going to know what's coming at some point. Exactly, and especially when Sale's going to probably be pitching four times over that eight-game span. Same with Severino, too. Severino's going to pitch, yeah, four times that eight-game span. Same with it's going to be crazy. That end of the season is going to be nuts. All right, Don. What are your thoughts on it? So personally, I disagree with you both. I think you're out to lunch. Here's the deal. Let's go back to before wild card teams existed when Don and I watched baseball and the top team from each division made in. That's what they've created here. They've created a win or go home mentality. You win 100 games and the number two guy win 100 games. If you didn't win one more than him, that's your fault. Plain and simple. What they've created is a system where every game matters. And you don't get to set up your pitching rotation and do all these nicey-nice things. This is not a participation trophy league. This is a winner-take-home league. If exactly. You don't so it, that's why if you win 102 games, you should get a higher seed than a team that wins 90 and barely no. wins their division in the statistically worst-ever division since 1994. Not your division. It doesn't matter. Win your division, and if you don't, you go home. Plain and simple. The one game is the most ludicrous thing that 
I don't know if it was Bud Selig. I think it was Bud Selig that came up with, and it, it just it doesn't serve a legitimate actual purpose. I myself would love to see them get rid of it. I mean, go back old school. I mean, you can go back even further. 1967, Red Sox won their division. They played the Twins in the West. They played the, those two. There was no wildcat. And the winner of those two, those in for years, 70s, 80s, those, it was two, and they one went to the World Series. So you disagree with me. You, no, no, no. I'm agreeing with you. But I'm saying I like the one-play wild, wild card I, game. I like it, but it's... It scares the crap out of me. It's, yeah. yeah. Well, it's very scary. I, that's, last that's year, I, I literally almost... I think I almost died it's, last year. It, last year was the most nerve-wracking thing of all Because the Yankees went down in the first inning, and I heard you crying in your bedroom. I was not crying. <laughs> then it, the fact that they came back, you slowly crept down the stairs step by step. <laughs> Are you kidding me? No, Didi hit the home run. I then ran around the house to, for 15 minutes. Then he came back minutes. to life. CPI was given But you know what? Right. You know what it put, it really puts it these games during the dog days of summer, the games in the spring, those matter that you yeah, have to play hard all the time. And if you do that, you control your own destiny. Period. Can't take any nights off. Nope, no nights off. No days off. You need a solid team. To quote to quote our fearless leader, no days off. It's a long season. You got to you got to stick right to the end. All right. Now we'll get into some fan mail and up the episode. I mean, we'll Thank you guys to all you who sent you in and everything like that. Uh, we got a question from Nicole here. How do you guys feel about Otani being cleared to play again and being able to hit? I like it. I think it's pretty good. He keeps the Angels in contention for a little bit. They just still need some starting pitching. They need a lot. They, I don't think I don't think they catch the Mariners. The Mariners are just hot. They're also the luckiest team maybe in recent history. And we know you're feeling, after all these years of not loving the Mariners, you're loving them especially after last night too. Oh, the turn ahead of the clock game, that was nothing like some flair. You hated it, Dad, I know, but the flair right. is great. So let's pause for a moment. Great question by Nicole. Yeah, Totani, if you can clear to hit, go let him hit. They bought a player. If he can do something for a team, let him do something. If he wants to carry the towels, let him carry the towels. I don't care. But if he's cleared to participate on the team and contribute, go contribute. But just turn back the clock or head the clock. What? I'm confused. I saw baseball players without sleeves last night. I saw. Do you not remember stuff. when Griffey did it in '98? I think it's ridiculous. I am a purist. Look like a professional when you're on. Don't wear for cockin uniforms that look like they're made up by some middle schooler in art class. Okay. I'm gonna drop the mic now. Okay. <laughs> Don, help me out here. Did you see those uniforms? What do you think? I just saw the picture up this morning, and if you're on the field, look like a professional. Of course, I could look to Timmy and say to my right and say, you had kids on your high school team this year that didn't dress appropriately either. So there's a time and a place for us. I, I think on it's the baseball field might not be the place for it. Three words, in my opinion. You know, I think it's a long season. Give them a little fun. You're not going to church. It's baseball. I think we're sounding old, Don. Let them have, have a little bit of fun. Experienced. Let them have a little bit hey, of fun. Hey, they get to do stuff with their socks. That's fun. Wow. Socks. Uh-huh. Frank Lindor socks. Best in the game. Tim picked the all-star person because of socks. So that is actually on. a shame, but All right, we won't make fun of it. So we next got a question. Next question here is from John. John's question is, uh, what do you guys feel about the resurgence of the Brewers this year? Like, what do you guys think? What moves do you think they need to make in order to solidify themselves as a contender later in the year? Two words, Jacob DeGrom. 
They need a starting pitcher. He's the best. That's going to take a lot. It is. They, but he's the best frontline starter out there. And if they want to make a run, this is their best chance. They need a frontline starter. DeGrom's the best one on the market. I think it's they have to. Empty out all the chips. Empty out all the chips. It's going to take a lot. I don't know if they have the prospects to do it. Because the Mets asking price is high as all get out. Which is why I don't know if the – I mean, the Yankees have the chips to do it. It's just a matter of whether or not Cashman wants to. They're not going to give up Glaber Torres. They're not going to give up Miguel Andujar. It's going to be interesting. I think they need starting pitching. I'm not sure where they're going to get it from. Where they you, might get Cole, Cole Hamels, maybe. Even his asking price has been high, too. Yeah, especially for a guy who's given up a lot of home runs. And he's in his mid-30s, too. Yeah. yeah where, do you, where do you Hot take. Where do you think DeGrom's going to go? Where do I want him to go, or where do I think? Think. Think? Well, I want him to go to the Yankees. Honestly. Where do I think he's going to go? It's going to be someone who can just empty the farm. And that might honestly, I don't know. I have no idea. Like, I want to go to the Yankees, but it's going to be the team that he's going to end up going to is going to be a team that empties the farm on him. Right. The Red Sox have no chips, so they're not going to. Yeah, the Red Sox don't have a farm system ever since Dombrowski decided to give away the farm for Chris Sale. Yeah. I love Michael. One of the kids that they traded away, Michael Kopech, he throws 110 on a crow hop. That's he's insane. Nuts. He's nuts. And speaking of it, our next question from Mike is, what do you guys think of the White Sox? Do you do you think they'll be competitive in the relevant future? Outside of Jose Abreu, until they can build up that farm system, I mean, they have the pieces. They have Kopech. Um, they have Moncada. Uh, they should be handwriting the Red Sox thank you notes for setting them up for the future if they are going to be competitive. Um, we actually got a request from uh, the Southside podcast to talk a little White Sox, so that could, that could be in the works in the future. And then our last question here is from Bethany, and she says, what do you think of the Chris Sale contract, and is it the worst contract in baseball history? And for a little background for those, for those of you, Chris Davis, playing for the Baltimore Orioles, was signed to a seven-year, $161 million contract for the Orioles, and he's having the worst season of all time this year. He's overtaken uh, Mark Reynolds as like the, the, uh, the 2000 strikeout king. It is maybe the worst contract of all time. Yeah. They expected him to. This is the Orioles are one of those teams who, first of all, they don't ever sign free agents because I don't know Dan Duquette. Was Dan Duquette the GM? Yeah. Dan Duquette was the GM for the Orioles when they signed Chris Davis. They don't really sign a ton of free agents, and they paid Chris Davis for who he was, not what he was going to be. He was coming off a bunch of home runs, back-to-back forty home run seasons. 2013, he hit like 53, didn't he? Yeah, he did. 40-plus homer seasons, and then he's just been awful. Like, it's it's bad. This is like a scene out of Moneyball, right? So this is, you know, he's, he's the, he's the Davis is the guy you'd put up on the whiteboard, and all the old guys are all excited about him. Yeah, and then you throw up Scott Hatterberg, and yeah. they're like, who? Who? It's it's one of those things. This, Why do we like him? He gets us runs. This was before, this was really before... The new school revolution of baseball free agency is paying you not what you have done, but what you're going to do. And they were paying him for what he had done, not thinking what he was going to do. And what he's going to do has been absolutely horrendous. And he's not even worth the major league minimum of 548k, much less 161 million dollars. There's been so many pitches that have made him look silly, but watching what Stephen Wright's knuckleball does to Chris Davis every time he takes the ball, it's just it's comical to watch. And speaking of bad contracts, the Yankees' Jacoby Ellsbury is up there with Chris Davis. Thank God he's not even playing, though. Yeah, the, the, that, that one, I, I, I like, I mean, I grew up in two of my heroes, and they always will be, were John Lester and Jacoby Ellsbury, the, the double lefties with me. 
Um, I grew up running around. And I always wanted to play center field, which is weird because I never want to play center field like ever again. Um, and I grew up idolizing jo- Jacoby Ellsbury. And I remember vividly the day I got the notification on my phone, uh, Jacoby Ellsbury signed with the Yankees. I fired my phone off my pillow and I was in a bad place for like three days. I was in like full blown like baseball depression. Um, so mind you, he's opened the doors for guys like Mookie Betts and Jackie Bradley, but um, I'm do you happy. want him back? Because he's not. Please doing take him back. Please I'll, take I'll, him back. He's I'll awful. take him as like the Carlos. He's absolutely Bel- awful. I'll take him as like the Carlos Beltran, like player manager. I'm not putting him in any game situations. Um, but I'm happy that losing my favorite player didn't burn the Red Sox. He blocked. He blocked Clint Frazier for almost all of last year from getting up, and I hate him for that. I love Clint Frazier. The golden. The the the, the red ginger thunder. locks. The, the, the red, red thunder. thunder. Bad move. Talk, but. The worst trade ever. I don't know. Uh, worst signing ever. There's some. Just in recent memory, the Red Sox, the signing of Pablo Sandoval. You might as well have taken that money, walked out in a in a downpour of something we had this past week, and just dumped that money out into the streets or sent it to Puerto Rico where it would have went for a better cause. He did nothing. What is Pablo Sandoval's claim to fame in Boston? Swinging a bat and breaking his belt <laughs> in the same motion. That wow. Is, we also had the anniversary uh, two a couple of days ago. It was three-year anniversary of him liking pictures on Instagram during the game. There was, yep. It's awful. And I didn't even get into the Kyle Crawford or Adrian Gonzalez signings. Well, Adrian Gonzalez wasn't that bad. He only got traded away because the Dodgers were nowhere going to accept that deal without him. Because the other pieces of the deal were Josh Beckett, who was way past his prime, even though he threw a no-hitter with the Dodgers, and then Carl Crawford and Nick Puto. So, uh, a couple buckets of fried chicken thrown in there. Yeah, let's yeah. just say, let's just say... Bitter uh, Don is showing. <laughs> there, there was a few stretchy years for both the Yankees and the Red Sox, where it was just not a good time. Wait, do we have a caller? Bitter Don, long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so before we go, we'll just go around the table. Any last thoughts from all of you? Anything in baseball? Like to say, I'd like to see the Sox take two out of three because they'll put them back ahead in the season series tonight. David Price, I'm, I'm putting my faith in you tonight. It's going to be a close game. Yankees three, Red Sox two. Must see TV tonight. Ding, ding, ding. Just has potential. Could be a could be a great game. Um, like to see a good pitching matchup. Like to just see a great great game in an old Red Sox, Yankees. Hopefully, maybe a ninth inning home run either side. A fight, it's just a, a fight. Or Tyler two. Austin will call. We'll call do, him. Let's be honest. They're due for a brawl. They're due it's for a brawl. A Wait, while. they had one we last had season. It's, no, they had one in April. That, that wasn't a. That was okay. That was okay. okay. Tyler Austin came out there swinging. We literally have Joe Kelly Fight Club T-shirts off of that. I think that fight was a little more than okay. Hey, but but when you go back Maybe to your dad's era, to a hockey fight, then maybe I'm going back to old Bruins, Canadians, or the old uh, Pedro Don Zimmer. Uh, what do we need? A, days there. <laughs> do we need a guy to go up in the uh, stands and beat a guy up with his own shoe? Do we need to bring back that part of the Bruins rivalry? Do we need a guy to just jump out of the? Uh, we'll pull. Or no, we'll just go like 99 on people. We'll just have a uh, Yankees bullpen. Um, pitchers getting in fights with people and security guards in the bullpen. Or we could just throw it back last year. Actually, if the Yankees and Red Sox had a fight like the Yankees-Tigers fight, I am all for it. Miguel Cabrera out here throwing punches. Miguel Cabrera, Gary Sanchez holding people down, throwing out cheap shots. I didn't have a problem with that. It's brawl. David Robertson sprinting in from left out of the bullpen. 
I still think one of my favorite baseball fight moments is when uh, David Ortiz and Kevin Gregg fought in 2011. And that wasn't even my favorite <laughs> Ortiz part. Ortiz right now with the bat. My favorite part wasn't even that. It was, if you look at the highlights, you just see Jared Saltalamachia walking through with his uh, catcher's helmet down, like the Terminator, like just like <laughs> watching people bounce off of him as he just starts walking into the epicenter of the fight. I think my, one of the funniest fight moments is when Zach Granke broke his collarbone trying, get in the, trying to get into a fight. That, that might be one of the funniest. Oh, when Bryce Harper goes with the uh, the goes with the, the helmet the, throw the and helmet just, throw and totally it slipped. Or, um, First rule of Fight Club: Don't talk about Fight Club. Club. All right, and that's where we're gonna end the show. Episode seven is a wrap. Thank you for listening. Make sure to send us in questions. Follow us on Twitter at CleanUpSpotPod. Make sure to email us any questions you have. CleanUpSpot1234 at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at JAVBlake8. Uh, you can follow me at tcrowley37. And a special thanks to both our dads for coming on the show this week. Hopefully um, we get to come back, Don. I think we did. We added fun. a new element. It was fun. We're going to have to work in an encore appearance. Um, maybe live from uh, the bleachers. The ble- I think uh, maybe the bleachers or maybe from the uh, outer confines of Howard's for the uh, Keep oh, League All-Star game. There we go. That sounds like a plan. All right. Well, we'll keep you guys in touch. Make sure to send in your questions to the show. Make sure to like, subscribe. And rate us on you on iTunes. Thank you so much. And this is the cleanest spot. <laughs> <laughs>